listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert-Monk. Welcome in. This is the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you're all well. And you are obviously tuning into this podcast uh, because you want to be listening to the BritBall uh, episode where we talk to Manchester Titans quarterback Sam Bloomfield. He can be contacted on Twitter at Bloomers21. On quite a lot of his social social media, he did say to me that he he that's his handle for pretty much everything. Yeah, like I say, uh, in the last episode with the Titans, I wanted to try and get it on, on both on the, on the same episode, but it was due to the length and... It, it, it would have made it a two-hour episode, and I don't, obviously don't want uh, anyone to be listening to me for and, and my show for two hours at, at one go. But um, I'm not going to say too much before we get into that interview with Sam. One thing I will say is I purchased the Ultimate Draft Kit from the Fantasy Footballers um, the other day, and oh my god, there's so much data. I'm so excited to build that into my spreadsheet that I have. Uh, I might make available at some point uh, once it's finished. But if you are an avid fantasy football player like such as I am, I would very much recommend that you go over to the fantasy footballers and and check out the ultimate draft kit. I think it's around about twenty five pounds. Um, I think because the the pricing now because it's been released, it's the normal price. I I, I did get it at a discounted price because I got it early. So apologies for not bringing that to your attention sooner. But I'm, I hope you will forgive me. Just a reminder, we'll, we'll be having the bearded twits on uh, next on the on the podcast, and then next week we'll have uh, Luke Campbell talking about the Bears for another My Team, My Thoughts segment. But we, like, like I say, we know why you're here. I know what you want to listen to, so we're going to get straight into it. We're going to be talking to Sam Bloomfield, uh, the Manchester Titans quarterback, and talk everything about Britball and the grassroots game. It's time to talk to Sam Bloomfield, the Manchester uh, Titans quarterback. I uh, had the pleasure of watching my first British American football game and d- absolutely delighted that Sam's got in touch with us to talk about the, the game at grassroots level. Sam, how are you doing, buddy? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, so like I say, um, went to my first football game uh, on Sunday. Uh, watched you absolutely demolish the uh, East Kilbride Pirates. Uh, very interesting game from from a lot of uh, perspectives, but let's just uh, dial it back a little bit, Sam. Just uh, give us a bit of a background into how you got into American football and obviously how you've got to play for the Manchester Titans. No problem. Um, so uh, back when I was in high school, I've been playing rugby for a couple of years, um, and a friend uh, invited me to go and watch his brother play in the national final down in Bristol. Um, so not having kind of ever had any experience with American football, I thought, sure, why not? I stay out, go and watch some sport. Uh, went to see his brother play in a youth uh, national final for the Bristol Aztecs. And uh, immediately I was just so intrigued by the game. It looked so fast-paced, so intense. So I, um, I got in touch with a local team, um, the Chorley Buccaneers, and uh, me and a couple of other friends started going down, and kind of I would say week or, or week or two in to actually uh, going along, we were just hooked straight away. It was just so so good, and that was uh, that was what 16, 17 years ago. You know, I, I think I was twelve years old or thirteen years old, something like that. So nice. Um, Twenty twenty eight uh, at the end of this month. So I've been playing for quite a long time now. And, yeah. Um, it just took over my life, really. Absolutely everything um, that I do is 
has kind of come from American football, I would say. Yeah. Um, so I suppose in, in a way, it's quite lucky that you you found it from quite a young age. Absolutely, yeah. There's there's so many people on the teams that I've played with before uh, that say, you know, they wish they found it earlier. Yeah. Or, um, you know, that because generally people come along with this sport, and I would say a large percentage of them, you know, really have a positive experience of it. Yeah. Uh, my my path to to Manchester, um, I, I you know I've been I would say I've been around the north quite a bit, um, and. Uh, I started off at Chorley, and that was playing five-a-side football. First off, playing flag, and then moving up into the junior kitted squad. Okay, yeah. Um, and then I moved up into the um, the Lancashire Wolverines um, youth squad, which was um, under 19s. Yeah. Played for them for a couple of years, and we got to a national final, which we unfortunately lost against um, a very strong Farnham team. Yeah. Um, and then after the Lancashire Wolverines seniors for quite a few years, um, very heavily featured in that in that side, and I was a captain for um, all of my years there. And then finally, I um, it was time for me to move on to a different squad. And uh, last year, I joined the Manchester Titans, and we were very um, well. I don't want to say fortunate; we worked incredibly hard for it. But um, you know, we we ended up uh, going to the national finals, um, yeah. being promoted into the Premiership, and yeah. uh, and actually winning that national final. Yeah, no, so I, was, I did look back through some tweets, obviously the history of like, uh, and I did see all those uh, accomplish, accomplishments last year. But so for for you, was it was has it always been quarterback then, or was it was there any particular other, other position you liked playing, or do you just like to be in centre centre of attention? Well, don't get me wrong, I do love being the centre of attention, <laughs> uh, but uh, I actually started out as a linebacker, okay, and then I moved to running back. Um, and then I played most of my, oh, well, I'd say all of my youth years, 11-a-side youth years at Lancashire, were, were playing linebacker, kind of a safety hybrid position. Yep. Um, uh, apart from featuring um, on the offense a tight end or receiver position every now and again. Um, because, to be honest, that's where my talent lied. Yep. Or lay, should I say. <laughs> um, it, was, it was catching the ball. Yeah. Um, for a bigger chap I, I always had very good hands um and that eventually led to me being part of the gb lions youth squad okay um which was a you know a big accomplishment for me yeah um i was a tight end and then a tight end coach for the gb youth squad when i moved up to the senior squad at Lancashire greens um i still was i was still very much in love with playing linebacker um and so i kind of switched between uh, a safety role and a linebacker role for a, quite a few years until finally I, I, I took the bullet and I, and I moved over to offense and uh, I don't regret it at all. I played wide receiver for the Lancashire Wolverines for quite a few years and when our quarterback would go down injured or when he wasn't available to play, I would play quarterback and I didn't really have too much success doing it, especially not at the premiership level. Um, as you can imagine, not training much at quarterback and then slotting in. Yeah. Um, uh, premiership standard is, is pretty tough, but um, mm. the system that was created at, at the Manchester Titans is uh, it suits me to the ground basically. Um, it, it works on my strengths. Yeah. Um, I... And has enabled me to succeed at quarterback. It's very quarterback friendly. Yeah. As long as you put in the time. Yeah, absolutely. Put in the time. Um, then you you can succeed in that system as a quarterback, and so um, I've actually only 
officially been a quarterback. This is my halfway. I'm halfway through my second year now. Yeah. Even I've been playing for 17 years. Yeah. Um, it's always been other positions for me, but quarterback's brilliant because. Uh, it allows me to make all the choices and be the centre of attention. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'll say I, I certainly uh, echo your, your your comments there about it being very quarterback friendly. I, certainly, when I watch, I wouldn't have known that you've only played in that position for you know a season and a half. So, um, yeah, and just just a point on that. Obviously, um, obviously on the sidelines, you have all your boards being put up for you with all the pictures and that kind of stuff. And they just if yep. you if you without giving too much away to all, <laughs> to all the other teams, how how much effort is kind of put into that and you know what what's the kind of what do you what do you do from week to week so what does kind of a week look like for you uh leading up to okay, to so sunday i'll start with the boards um we the players and, and the coaches get together in pre-season and we decide what's kind of going to go on the boards and, yeah. and what they mean and each kind of panel has let's say a certain meaning yeah and the coach will dictate to us in a certain way yeah what panel he's aiming at um and there's different boards as well there's there's, yeah. the, two, there's the boards that are held up over the offensive coordinator's head which are quite large and yeah. have four images on them and then there's the other boards that have uh, just one image on them and, and i think there's there's four different images that we can be shown and, and some of them um some of them are about plays some of them are about protections um so they're you know they're, they're very helpful um but also we like to have a laugh, um, and they're very amusing pictures. Yeah, uh, things that we find funny, and just a little—they're not funny to us now because we've seen them for you know four or five months. Yeah, but at the start, it's a good laugh, and and uh, we we try not to take it too seriously, whilst obviously, yeah, being very focused on on trying to win. Um, in terms of uh, you know a week for us, um, if we. If we if we won the the game before, so um, sorry, if we won on the Sunday, yep, we have something called Victory Mondays. Right now, Victory Monday is where the coach will post on our um, team page, on our team group, um, and he will say, "I want you guys to give a shout out to somebody." who you believe deserves recognition. Right. That could be absolutely anybody for anything. So, for example, this week, I, I always thank the O-line because yeah. without the O-line, I am absolutely done for. Yeah. Um, they've given, in five games this year, not including the preseason game against London Blitz, they've conceded one sack, nice. which is absolutely exceptional. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I always give a shout-out to the O-line. But, for example, gave a huge shout-out to... Um, our defense because for some reason when our defense get into the red zone um they seem to play pretty lights out football um you know ekp were knocking on the door in our red zone i would say two or three times in that game the defense managed to hold them out every time yeah um, yeah that that goal line stand from the three the three yard line was pretty impressive yeah and and you know don't get me wrong. Um, you know our defense concede points. That you know that they're, they're not a bread bend but don't break defense. But they they you know they concede points in the, in the same way that the offense stutters sometimes. But uh, for some reason, just when we get into the red zone, the, the guys really turn it on. I don't know if it's a situational thing, whether it's that they're playing with less space. Uh, I really don't know. But um, so that Monday shout out is basically just about giving recognition to any position or any particular player who you feel has excelled. And it's a really good way of, of getting um, recognition for players who perhaps 
um, aren't in the limelight, yeah. um, who have uh, had a personal accomplishment. So, for example, our kicker on Sunday made a huge hit on a, on a, on a kick return. Yeah. Um, and everyone's like, that's a kicker, yeah. you know? And he, uh, he got huge props for that from the lads mm-hmm. on, uh, on Monday. Um Fair play to him as well. He, he went four. If, if he went four out of five, didn't he on point afters? Sorry, what's that? Four I said I, I think yeah, that first one got blocked, didn't it? And it was um, it got, then there was a flag and it got re-blocked again. And then I think he went four for four after that. I think. Well, the, the the interesting thing it might be an interesting thing for you to you know consider is um, is we um, less and less are the players who score all the touchdowns getting recognition. Okay. So, for example, less than half of the posts on that group mention the quarterback yep. who threw for five touchdowns. Less than half of them mention the two, uh, you know, two receivers who scored two touchdowns each. Now, at any other club, or, sorry, what brought me on this was including that our kicker who kicked four out of five PATs. Less and less are those people getting recognised because it's the norm for our club. Yeah. You know, last year um, we would regularly pass for between four and six touchdowns. Our running backs would regularly run for two touchdowns. Our receivers would regularly get two, three, maybe even four touchdowns in a game. And it's very interesting that that is that's now no longer a huge deal. Yeah. That is the expected precedent we have set ourselves, both through performance and through our desire to be an elite elite team. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not saying I want more recognition on Recognition Monday. Mm-hmm. I'm saying what an interesting concept that it is that a receiver, James Noons or or, or Look Look Kinder, can can catch two touchdowns in a game and not be mentioned by everybody. Yeah. That's a very interesting thing to me. Yeah, that's what I suppose that that helps with um, you know team spirit and team camaraderie a little bit because you know that everyone's everyone's an important piece in the offense, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I I very rarely look at myself as the most important part in the offense. Yeah. <laughs> we are a unit. We are not a group of individuals. We are we are a unit, and yeah. uh, it only works when all of those pieces are in play. Absolutely. Um, so we love Victory Mondays. Obviously, we have a different thing if, if we're not successful, if we, if we don't win. Uh, fortunately, in the two years that I've been at the Times, we've only we've only had to do that twice. <laughs> uh, once last year against Yorkshire, um, and once this year against the absolute unfathomable, incredible Tamworth Phoenix, who if you haven't had the pleasure of seeing yet, I would strongly recommend you go and watch them play. Okay, cool. Noted there. Noted. Noted. So, yeah, that's, that, that's Victory Mondays. Um after after that, usually film goes out of the either the team that we just played, yep. so we can review and we can see where we need to improve and where we did well and what our strengths are, how we did against certain things, or we sometimes might hold that tape back if we have to focus on another team. Right. So, for example, we haven't shared the East Kilbride Pirates film with the players so far yeah because we want them to focus on the merseyside nighthawks who we're playing this sunday yeah so the only thing that's been released to them is the scout film of the last few games the merseyside nighthawks have played right okay 
and it's now the player's job to go and watch footage. Yeah. So would you would you be expected to do that obviously in your own time, you know, in the evenings during the week, or obviously you know you, you have jobs to go to in that as well. So what what's what's it what's it like during the week for you? Because obviously you'll have training as well, I guess. Yeah, we, so we train on Wednesdays, and that's that's seven thirty. Sometimes seven if we can get the pitch availability. Yeah. Um, usually seven thirty to ten, and that's realistically if we've got a game on Sunday and then a game the following week, that's the only time we get physically. So right. It's very very important at this level that we put in the work off the field. Yeah. Now there's two things realistically that that we do. Um, there is. Um, the team is expected to watch film, whether that's coaches, whether that's players, whoever it is. Particular emphasis on, you know, starting players. Coaches would be pretty peeved if starters weren't watching enough film. Yeah. Um, you know, they say that American football is a game of chess, um, and I absolutely buy into that concept. Yeah. Um, so generally, thirty to thirty minutes to an hour is what's expected of player to watch footage. Now that's watching footage of the opponent, whether that be against us from a previous game, yeah. or whether that's a, a team that they played and kind of looking at their tendencies and looking at their strengths, their weaknesses, what our game plan might be. Yeah. They're expected to do that uh, on their own. And, you know, coaches can look at, um, at something called Huddle. Huddle is the platform which most of the teams in the UK use to watch film. Okay. And that shows the coach how much time a player has watched. Oh, very good, yeah. So coaches can check up because accountability is very important in in this sport. Um, And they can have a look. And um, generally, most of the team will watch between 30 minutes and an hour. Yeah. The very fortunate thing that we are blessed with at the Manchester Titans in in the offence particularly is our offensive coordinator Luke Carlton um, is is the best offensive mind I've worked with in, in 17 years um, that's with my involvement in GB programmes to an extent um, he is absolutely incredible and the work he puts in is very 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 impressive yeah he creates game plan videos for us now what those game plan videos are is that between 45 minutes and an hour of him screen recording his own computer right and he'll watch film and point out certain things to us he will draw up the playbook and say here's how this play is going to work against their scheme yeah here's what they're going to try and do against us when we do this Here's their adjustment to uh, to trips. Here's their adjustment to spread. Things like that. Um, And that video is very, very in-depth. Yeah. He does one video for the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. That's the skill position video. Yeah. And he does one video for the offensive line exclusively. In those videos, as I've I've mentioned, there's a lot of detail. Um, There's game film. There's playbook. But there's also secret questions. Throughout the video, he will place maybe four or five secret questions. Yeah. And it's up to players to watch the video and answer those questions back to Luke so that he knows not only have my players watched the video, but they've had to watch it for long enough that they've been able to answer all the questions 
And now, through doing that, they understand the game plan. Everybody's on the same page. Yep. I know that my quarterback knows what my running back's planning on doing, what my receiver's planning on doing, and, you know, vice versa. Yeah. Um, that, in my experience, is not something I've ever seen anybody else do before. Not saying that it doesn't happen. Yeah. But I've never known of somebody go through so much effort every game to make sure that their players are prepared. Yeah. And therefore, when I get to practice, I know full well that I can say to my receivers, okay, so the outside linebacker, when we go to trips, is going to be lined up in this spot. And I know that I'm not going to have to explain that to them. Yeah. They can say, yeah, he's going to be lined up here, but the way I run this this route, he's going to end up in this point, making me open here. Yeah. You know, that just a random example. Yeah, no, no. And I say, I, I, I must admit, you going through all that, it, you know, thinking back to, to Sunday's game, it was the way the way your offense ran. Obviously, you know, looking at it retrospectively now, I can see. The, the obviously the benefits that you get you get from all that it's not like you know Sunday league soccer where everyone just turns up half hour before the game and then does a couple of part like you know passing drills and that kind of stuff and it's it's so much more in time that you have to invest during the week as well just to make sure that you guys are all on the same page on a Sunday because let's face it if you didn't have all that that effort put in by your by your coaches and obviously by the the players putting in you know logging in and, and watching all that tape you you guys would be so out of sync and you would look you would look absolutely awful. Absolutely, absolutely. I, 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 I personally have a saying that a couple of people on the team like it. Um, I know Luke in particular likes it, and and it's um, I am made of everything you don't see. So I believe that if you're going to build a house, most of your time is spent planning how to build your house. Yeah. Very little of your time is going to be spent actually executing the house build. Yeah. And that, that's how we feel. Um, preparation is absolutely vital to us, and. I'm very thankful that we have a group of players who bought into that mentality, but yeah. also that we have an offensive coordinator who has who has kind of imposed that that culture on our offense, and and you know that that does stretch over to our defense too. They are they are very much um, becoming a unit who you know understands we need to do this. This is where we need to be. Yeah, and uh, you know I think it shows. Yeah, no, that's it. certainly it, it, it helps. I'm, I'm, I'm very appreciative that you, you're coming on and obviously explaining that because it gives me a lot of a lot of uh, kind of meat on the bones as to kind of what goes into the game. And uh, hopefully, it, obviously going on Sunday, it, it, I'm going to be going to a lot more games now. So, yeah, for, to take Sunday's game, for instance, against uh, East Kilbride, is, is that a standard? What, how were they in terms of, you know, attendances and pitches and officials? What was that in terms of, like, if you had a barometer, is that, is that average or is it better than average? Or um, Are you talking about what, what you can expect from the game day experience or do you mean in terms of performance level? Yeah, well, well, maybe a bit of both, you know, because I, I, I obviously turned up at East Goodbye and okay. I, I didn't know anything about what was, I was to expect, you know, officials or, you know, refereeing. Because obviously, you know, yeah. it's a really bad comparison, but Sunday League football, obviously, you run your own uh, left-back line, don't you, and do your own offsides and there's only a referee. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously, yeah, there's, okay, there's a lot so, more effort that needs to go into it. Absolutely. Um, so the, the referees are part of an organisation called uh, BAFRA, yeah, um, British American Football Referees Association, um, and they're they're not volunteers. They do get paid for their time. Okay. But um, it's it is a tough job. Being a referee in, in any sport is a tough job. Yeah. Um, they don't get um, abuse like you would in in football, perhaps uh, in a very similar way to rugby. Um, 
if you say anything to the referee that's out of turn, you're gone. Yeah. Your team will be penalised. Your team will be penalised, or if it's too much, you're out. And um, there's a one-game ban for any kind of ejection. So. And are the, are the players are the players very good at that? You know, abuse abuse wise, because obviously there's a there was a player ejected on Sunday. I was, I couldn't quite see what that was for. I think it was yes. just a bit of a kerfuffle. That, but that so. is that that is rare. I would say out of a ten-game season, you shouldn't expect one of your players to get ejected. <clears throat> okay. um, it shouldn't happen. Um, it's very, very rare that anybody is penalised for um, the way that they've communicated with the referee, right. the way that they've re- reacted to a referee's decision. Okay. It might happen to a team once or twice a year. That is my experience of the teams that I've been part of. Yeah. Um, there are teams that you go against who you know are a little more fiery, perhaps, let's say, Yeah. and they will kind of how to word it they will sort of play up a little bit and they you know they don't mind taking a shot here or there yeah and they'll risk taking you know a penalty here or there and stuff like that um but generally the teams that i've been part of you know they're, they're quite good everybody knows the rules everybody knows that you do not you don't not say anything negative to the referees otherwise you're costing your team and and it's very selfish. Yeah. Um, no one likes selfish players or coaches, so you just don't do it yeah. because it's it's peer pressure. Um, you're letting you're letting your team down. Yeah. Um, so the referees do a very good job, um, regardless of whether you agree with any decisions 100 percent of the time. It's very difficult having not officially refereed myself, but having done some refereeing. Yeah. It is very difficult, and as you can imagine, especially in the trenches, there's so much going on. Yeah. You're going to miss holding calls. You're going to miss all sorts. Yeah. Um, so they, they do a very, very good job. And um, they, they if, especially if they're a premiership referee, they travel all around the country because of a, the certain standard that, that the league wants them to uphold. Okay, yeah. Um, in terms of the pitch, you, you would go to premiership teams' pitches and you would expect that's kind of what you got at EKP. Um, a well-kept pitch. Um, perhaps, EKP was perhaps a little on the long side, but... Um, it did. It did look long to me when I was there. I, it, I did see. I did think it looked, looked quite long. Yeah, um, it felt long too when you were running it. <laughs> um, but I, I think perhaps um, this is EKP's first year at a new ground. Yeah. When they were at um, Hamilton, I think it was Hamilton yeah. Rugby Club. That was a very, very well kept club. Okay. Um, there might be some teething issues with with this new club that they're at, but um, generally most of the clubs in um, the Premiership play on. 3G or 4G kind of pitches with okay. the rubber crumb. Right. Um, the only problem there is the markings. Yeah. You often have printed markings or permanent markings, so you get some kind of yellow or red or whatever, some funny colour markings. But generally, the pitches are quite nice condition. Okay. Um, in terms of kind of fan areas, you get a variation really. East uh, East Kilbride had a really nice, um, you know, stand that you could could watch from yeah for example we have um two stands um we've also play in a stadium um whereas someone like sheffield are, are playing on kind of a grass rugby pitch okay um it, it really is a, a case of what is close to you what is affordable yeah. and will the club that you are um you know working with will they allow you to kind of have a bit of free reign some teams are very fortunate some teams aren't but um, American football in the UK is not a rich sport. No. Um, 
it's uh, it really requires a lot of player buy-in and it's quite expensive to play. Okay. Um, so do all, all this, yeah, so all, the, all like the kit that you wear and all obviously all the pads and that kind of, and the helmets. Are you responsible for purchasing a bit of that, or do you hire it, or how does that how does how does well, that work? Teams will have different policies. Right. Okay. If you are a dedicated player, you're likely to own your own kit. And there's yep. a couple of suppliers in the UK where you can buy your own kit. Very reliable uh, people at Football America and at EP Sports in yep. no particular order. <laughs> um, whereas a lot of clubs will have some kit that players borrow. Some of them will have different policies. So it, it's possible that um, you know a club could just give out players' kit for the year and then they return it at the end of the year. Yeah. It's also possible that um, people are expected to sort of buy certain components of their kit. Yeah. So, for example, at the Titans, um, I think players... I'm not one of these. I have all my own kit. But I think the players who want to do so... Um, can borrow helmets and shoulder pads and stuff like that. But all the leg pads and the pants, um, gum shield, things like that, are things that you have to buy yourself. Right, okay. Um, but on top of that, you've got league registration fees. Yep. You've got um, club registration fee. You have subscription fees. Um, you can be looking at, I would say for most clubs, you're looking at £200 plus for your subs. Yeah. Um, plus whatever you're paying for the registration to the different organisations that you need to. Um, yeah. So it's not by any means a cheap sport, no, no. but kind of those people who are involved in it, they understand that, and it's just one of those things. Yeah, well, I think, well, with that that kind of, I suppose, investment, you, obviously you're going to get people that are interested in the game. It's not like, you know, you get a ringer in a, in a cup game on a football on a football pitch where you sign someone else's name. Do you know what I mean? It's, you're in it for the long haul and you're... You're, you're paying as such, so you've always already got that investment before you've even stepped onto a field, I suppose. Absolutely. We play for the love of the game, and um, I think that's admirable, you know, and that's why I think it's such a kind of tight-knit community um, who really support each other. I, think, I don't know what time you arrived, but you'll notice we had um, a minute's uh, silence at the start of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was for a player uh, who passed away suddenly yeah. um, in Cambridge. Yeah. Now, you know, Cambridge is nowhere near East Coast ride and it's it's not that close to Manchester. No. But he's known by a couple of people. Um and that just kind of shows how tight knit our community is. Yeah. I, I don't want people to confuse that with it being a small community by any means no. because I feel like it, we do have, we have a large community and there's there's tons of players who I don't know and stuff like that from the north. But I could easily, you know, probably name one person on most teams senior teams in the UK. Okay. Um just through experience, you yeah. know, that this community and there's a very heavy Facebook um, yeah. kind of community going on. A lot of teams are, uh, you know, very keen to help each other out and very keen to just generally grow the sport in the UK, whether that be kind of just awareness of the sport or or kind of pushing pushing university and youth players just to continue playing football, no matter where it is, even if it's a club that isn't theirs. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are very proactive in the UK with American football and just want to see the sport take off. Well, I say take off, it's not doing badly by any means, but no, just grow, continue. And I said, just one quick question. Obviously, obviously, you're away. Manchester to East Kilbride is quite a journey. What time? What time do you like to set off? On do you set? I assume you set off on a Sunday morning, or I don't suppose you go through the trouble of staying over in a hotel the night before. No, no. Some some people might do, and, and I, you know, I have done that in the past, um, but. 
Um, the coach left Manchester um, at, I think it was 8am. Okay. Um, now, I, I live in Preston, um, so just a bit further up than, than Manchester. Yeah. And, um, and so there was a pick-up point uh, around Preston because there's quite a few of us that come from there. Okay. Um, but say, for example, we're travelling down... Um, for me personally, that's when it's a bit of a pain because we've got to go down to Manchester to get on the coach to then go further down south. Yeah. And then when you come back late at night, you're getting to your car after a game yeah. and then you've got to drive back up. That's that's the real that's the real uh, sad part about playing in an away game. Yeah, but cause so so obviously I I literally know hardly anything about the British game. So obviously you've got different divisions and North, South and all the, and all the rest of it. So how, what's, what's the yeah. furthest you kind of go down? Who's uh, obviously, I know you have, I suppose Edinburgh, Edinburgh Wolves are still in your, in the division with you as well. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in our division, we have the Edinburgh Wolves. We have the East Kilbride Pirates. We have the Tamworth Phoenix and the Merseyside Nighthawks. Okay. Uh, we have the Sheffield uh, Giants as well. Um, so the furthest we go, uh, down south is is I suppose Tamworth, okay. um, and that's not, not too bad. That's that's pretty okay actually. Um, but uh, when you've got to travel up to Scotland twice a year, that's um, <laughs> that's a bit of a pain. And, yes, and know, not making any excuses for for our results at Edinburgh. We did we did win, but it was a very tight knit game. Yeah. But uh, everybody knows that when you when you travel to Scotland, there's a good chance you're going to travel light. <laughs> Lots of players can't make the commitment because of family or not being able to get back for work in a, at a decent time. So you end up travelling with quite a light squad. And uh, against Edinburgh, we were actually missing uh, sort of three of our offensive starters, and two of our defensive starters. And whether that hurt us or not, um, the confidence that you get from having your squad out there, your kind of your Premiership squad. Yeah. It is huge, and you know everybody goes on about how football is a mental game. So yeah. those those away trips are really testing. Yeah, I, I, I suppose we've look, got to travel that far. Yeah, I, I suppose with you, the you mentioned there the Edinburgh trip. I suppose there was enough players not in your team to kind of take the edge off off the team. Yeah, you got plenty of depth, um, and uh, if you have a good enough squad and good enough coaches, you can always kind of make it work. You can yeah. always. Um, you can always game plan and, and, and you know put, put yourself in certain situations where you can make up for those people who are missing. Yeah. Um, and we were very fortunate enough to do that. Um, it was a very tough game. N- not taking anything away from Edinburgh, they are a very tough team. Their defence is very aggressive and mm-hmm. smart. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to, the, to when they travel to us now. <laughs> yeah, cool. So just uh, if, you, if you don't mind, uh, Sam, there's obviously visiting on Sunday there's just a couple of questions that I had about a couple of things obviously I didn't really know what was happening or, or going on in terms of the way the game was kind of set up so just yep. uh, just in terms of obviously play clock and, and game time and game management obviously uh, there's the the guy on the tannoy with the announcements was was very 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 helpful um but how how is like the the time and, and clock management kind of uh, what's the word negotiated in in Britball yeah um I think there's very, very few clubs who have the facilities or the money to be able to kind of show what kind of game clock uh, um, and, and and the time of the game is. Yeah. I think perhaps there's maybe one or two. Um, it's the reason that they don't have it is you know cost and um, 
just clubs wherever they there's no American football clubs, there's rugby clubs, there's football. Yeah. Football clubs. They don't have that facility. Yeah. Um, the way that as a player um, is you can ask the referee for a time check at any point. You should, in theory, have a good concept of how much time's left in that quarter, whether you've got a certain amount of timeouts, um, you know, uh, and kind of where you're at in the game. As a spectator, if you're not able to hear the referee, he doesn't have a microphone, um, then it's going to be pretty tough for the for, for the crowd to kind of follow yeah. what the time is in the game and stuff like that. Yeah, because I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. When when I was when I was watching, I, I literally felt like I was in a time warp and I'd had no con- I didn't have no idea what the time was. But it was it was nice in a way because you kind of just forget all the troubles from. You know the rest of the stuff that goes goes on in your life, and you just stand there and enjoy football. But yeah, it's it quite a strange concept because you know you're kind of trying to searching all around for a clock at least to see what the time was. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it would be the same if you're going to watch kind of the non-professional rugby or football. You wouldn't really, you wouldn't really know, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but it's um, as as a you know as a quarterback, and even if I wasn't a quarterback, as kind of um, an experienced player, yeah. I always kind of. I'm able to get a grasp of where we're at in terms of time. And it's important for me as a quarterback so I know, yeah. hey, we're about to enter a four-minute drill. We've only got four minutes to drag the ball down. Yeah. Or a two-minute drill, um, which um, we actually got to execute on Sunday. We, we got to execute a two-minute drill. Yeah, um, that was the end of the first half, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah good drive, that. Yeah, we we absolutely love the two-minute drill. Hmm. I, I, know, I know we'll get on to kind of fourth-down concepts soon. Um there's um, there's a certain amount of, of onus on the players to have an understanding of where you're at in the game and yeah. and how you play those situations based on that time. Mm-hmm. In terms of being a fan and watching from a crowd, um, it's very difficult without a referee who has a microphone to know where it's at unless you are very, very on um on your time with yeah. watching, I suppose. Yeah, and I say, I say, I suppose it doesn't help with the culture of uh, playing Madden, where you've got the ex- you can accelerate the clock down to ten seconds, like on, <laughs> no, e- <laughs> on right. each play. So, um, no, it was, it was just quite an interesting one for me because obviously, I, I suppose from your point of view, you know, when you've had a couple of drives and you know how long they've kind of lasted, then I suppose you you, you get used to knowing how kind of how long's left in a quarter or a half, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a personal kind of awareness. <clears throat> And some of our players are very aware, you know, and some of our players are not so sure. And that's why uh, I know that I do on offense, and a couple of our defensive players do it when they're on defense. We kind of check how much time's left before a drive. And the referees are usually quite good at telling you, even if you don't ask. Yeah, okay. Um, before you start a drive, and okay, guys, we're about to enter a five minute drill um, or a three minute drill. And, and you will have kind of, well, some teams will have practiced what kind of things you're going to do in a four or two minute drill yeah we haven't practiced a five or a three minute drill those numbers just flew out mouth but, <laughs> um, four minute drill is something we practice and a two minute drill is something we practice as well okay um and so we're very fortunate enough to do lots of situational work yeah um okay cool so if um, so, the other one was about the, obviously the fourth down attempts. Obviously, I noticed that they're not that I'm expecting people to come out and, and nail 50 yard field goals, but um, yeah, no, I know it's obviously fourth down is, is quite a bit a bit like Madden where you, you seem to go for it. Obviously, is that just uh, a, a, is that a thing that's widespread within the Britball or um, not that I believe? Um, 
a lot of people will punt on fourth down, even if it's uh, kind of fourth and four, and they're on the other team's sort of forty-five yard line. They okay. will punt, or you won't get a lot of teams that will go for a field goal. Um, so I would say outside of twenty or the twenty-five. Yeah, no, I think it did. Most teams right. will. If you're in that situation, they'll go for it on fourth down because you you might not have the blocking uh, down that you want. Yeah. For that kind of win field goal. Um, something like that. Now, we at the Titans have a very particular offensive um, kind of goals. And those goals are we aim for four yards per play. Okay. Because if we get four yards per play, we're going to get a first down every time. Yeah. So if I'm on second down and we've got um, second and six. I know that I can then take a shot downfield okay. or I can um, attempt a deeper pass or a riskier play because I know that I'm then going to have third and six. And I can, if it's incomplete, that is. Yeah. If it's complete, obviously much better. <laughs> yeah. But the worst, you know, the worst without a turnover that I realistically can get is third and six. Yeah. That means we run one more run play and we're on. Uh, fourth and two now we're very very confident in our running game and even to an extent even our passing game that we can get two yards every time yeah teams sorry defenses don't tend to adjust for fourth down yeah so we stay out in the field for fourth down okay and they have their cornerback lined up five yards off our receiver yeah that's the same in third down same in fourth down they're not adjusting so i can turn get an immediate ball out to my receiver He's gonna. He's already caught the ball, and he if he, he falls forwards, he's got two yards. Yeah, yeah. That's first down. Yeah. So our mentality is try and stop us. If yeah. you stop us, fair play. Yeah. But our mentality is we have extreme confidence in our offense that we can get sort of four yards to get a first down. If it was perhaps fourth and five, fourth and six, we'd probably have a think about it. But from our own 45-yard line, if we're on fourth down and we've got four or less yards to go, the chances are we're going to go for it. Okay. And our fourth down conversion rate is very, very high mm. because of the exact reason I said teams don't adjust on fourth down. Yeah. They give us the same thing that we've been looking at, and so therefore we'll call a particular play that we know, hey, we're going to get two yards on this. Yeah. So... So, it's not. It's not a UK wide thing. Okay, that's an us thing. Okay, no, that's very. That's very good to know. I just didn't. I didn't know whether it was a course. I, I didn't know whether it, whether it was a case of you know the kickers not being as obviously as, as good in length. Um, sexual innuendo there. Uh, but um, <laughs> no, it's, it's obviously the, the the pirates obviously got behind as well, so they kind of went for it more on fourth down as well um, as, as the game went on. Yeah. But it was quite a competitive first half, I thought as well. I think it was only six 0 in the end of the first the first quarter. And I think only first quarter, yeah. Before your two minute drill in the at the end of the first half, I think it was still only 13, 13 nothing. I think they obviously just got a bit they drained they drained in confidence a little bit and a couple of fumbles here or there, yeah, and then yeah, it, it just true. kind of turned it on its head. Yeah, some, I mean, something to mention about, about East Kilbride is East Kilbride historically are an incredibly successful team. Yeah. Um, and they carry a certain aura about them. So you go into that game, you know, even though I'm confident, uh, you know, I think I can execute the game plan, you're kind of like, okay, this is East Kilbride. Yeah. Regardless of how many times I've played against them before, this is EKP. Yeah. And um, they're, they're unfortunately not having 
their best year this year. No. I, I feel like it's a, it's not not um, not hidden for anyone to see that they're in a transition year. Um, yeah. That was their first game after their head coach um, moved on uh, and a new head coach stepped up and they were trying out new offensive concepts. Okay. Um, and it wasn't... They might not have scored, but... They were having success. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought, yeah, I, I keep saying to some of the people on, on Twitter and the, some guys I've spoken to, I said that the, the scoreline didn't really do them justice because their, their quarterback scrambling uh, was, was pretty effective and they, they executed, as I say, yeah. I think, I think as, as you got more ahead and I said, I think that, that second, that two minute drill in the, at the end of the first half kind of killed them a little bit because then they came back out and kind of were defeated before they stepped back on the field for the second half. But they, was, they certainly performed better than at the 41 point, Differential that the, the score yeah, was. Yeah, c- certainly, certainly. And, and you know, we we had success passing on a couple of deep balls, yeah, and stuff like that. And, yeah. And uh, you know, that really doesn't reflect the game. And you know, we've been on the receiving end of those kind of games before as well, where yeah. we're like, okay, well, you know, this looked like a pretty tight game on paper, but we really dominated them. Yeah. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say the same about EKP. Um, they, you know, they they did a really good job against our, our run game. Um, we had to rely on the pass a lot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that for me, um, looking at EKP, their youth setup is very, very good. Um, one that that I think is, is, you know, similar to the Titans youth setup and the grassroots setup. Um, and their youth team have been in the national championships for, for possibly two or three years in a row now. Um, and everybody who's looking at EKP is saying, give them, give them a year, give them two years, and they're going to be back because they've really invested in grassroots football. Mm. And it, it's going to pay off. It's already started to pay off because most of those faces that I was looking at on defense, most of them are guys that are significantly younger than me. They're very young, fresh-faced players. Give them a season, two seasons under their belt. Yeah. Add in all of the offensive talent that their youth team has, which hasn't graduated yet, but will soon. Give them a season, two seasons under the belt. EKP in a year, two years, maybe three at the max, will be back up if if they that's you know back up to their to their standard. Uh, they might avoid relegation this year. EKP. Um, I know they're certainly fighting for it. I've talked to Jamie, their head coach, um, and. You know, they're 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 it's live or die for them at yeah. the minute, and they're really gunning out to make sure they stay in the prem because they know we've got to survive this year, and once we do, we're good. Yeah. Um, and I and I believe that I believe that because they've invested in youth football, which yeah. the Titans have done and have done for many years now, um, and you you see that kind of you see the the fruition of that being premiership success. Cool. Yeah, no, as I say, I was certainly surprised because um, when, when going to the game, obviously doing a bit of reading previously, I've, I've noted obviously all the previous uh, successes that they had. But um, so what, what do you think is the, 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 you know, the in the near future for, for kind of Britball and, you know, what's, what's kind of the short-term kind of goals for, for the league and, and the game over here, if you, if you know at all? Is there any expansions? I know there's quite a lot of teams that have just been passed, I think, to, to play even next season, maybe? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So some affiliate teams have joined the league this year. Um, and they'll, you know, there'll be affiliate teams who join the league next year. That's always going to be... So it's, it's going to be ever-expanding. There yeah. will be the odd team here or there that drops out yeah. or folds. But it will be less so 
than the teams who are joining. So there's going to be expansions, and I imagine that will be in, in Division 2. Yeah. Um, Division 2 has a lot of different divisions um, spread all around the country. I wouldn't say they're local, but they're people who are an hour or two a drive away from right, okay. the teams that you're going to be playing. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's going to be a lot of expansion in those teams. Um, and then you get to Division 1, which is kind of a, an in-between division um, because you have players who are perhaps playing for fun, not playing to be successful, just playing because they enjoy um, the game, playing because of the, um, the culture and, and the kind of the camaraderie. Yeah. Um, but you've also got a number of players who are like, okay, we, you know, we want to really push this and we want to see how far we can get. Yeah. In Division One and playoffs and, and and you know possibly even Premiership, um, there will be less expansion in Division One, I, I assume, um, because I think that the the standards that they will attempt to set will be Division Two is kind of feeder league. Yeah. Division One is you know those who are pushing, and then the Premiership, where I I, I honestly. I think that something will change in terms of the alignments. Okay. Um, they've tried one big UK-wide premiership before, and I don't believe it worked. We're now split into a north-south premiership. Yeah. Um, and whilst I wouldn't say that it doesn't work, there's certainly issues with that league. Yeah. Um, particularly kind of... The drop-off, you have London Blitz and London Warriors in the south, and those two teams are absolutely dominant. You have um, Tamworth Phoenix in the north, um, and before them the East Kilbride Pirates, and up until last year, no one had really challenged London. Yeah. There was no there was no challenger. No. Um, last year, Tamworth did the unthinkable, um, something that most people up north were very, very happy about yeah. and, and ended up winning the national final. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Um, but aside from those three teams, you know, and I, I'm not um, I'm not delusional enough to include myself in the same conversation, you know, the Titans in the same conversation as the Tamworth Phoenix. Um, the drop-off is, is significant. You know, if you look at our results and, and how we've performed against teams in the Premiership North this year as a new team, yeah, we've done relatively well. Well, our first game of the year was against Phoenix, and they beat us sixty to seven. Yeah. Um, and let, let me tell you, the scoreline suggests exactly how it went. <laughs> yeah, there's no confusion there. So, something perhaps will change. Okay. I'm not sure entirely what that will be. Um, but I anticipate. In order to make the Premiership more competitive, the league will possibly try something, whether that's splitting up Division 1 teams and creating more Premiership teams. Or I'm not really too sure what that is. Mm. Um, and then you have the whole discussion about the UK being one of the only European countries left that isn't allowed to pay players and bring in American and foreign imports yeah. and provide them with some kind of semi-professional wage, etc., etc., um, that's certainly something that's going to continue to crop up um, over the years as as the GB squad yeah. struggles um, to 
well, perhaps not the GB squad, but as our, our as our players that are part of the GB squad leave the UK to play for European teams, yeah, and therefore the GB squad is struggling to retain these players because they're going off to other countries, getting paid, and yeah, things like that, and. Um, you know, the, the GB squad have got a tournament coming up in Finland, and I think they stand a good chance of doing well. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm part of the GB adult coaching staff, um, very recently appointed assistant coach. Um, but um, there's, certainly, there's certainly some rumbling, rumblings around kind of the Britball community as to, well, what are we going to do about this, this European player or American player payment policy that's currently in place because clearly the UK is not benefiting from it whereas all the other teams in Europe are yeah no totally totally agree that yeah it'd be interesting so yeah so I suppose that the the thing to take from that then Sam is that next couple of years there could be quite a bit of uh, funkiness going along there could be a lot of uh, change and chopping and changing potentially Um, yeah I, I would put money on it no. Um, but I think expansion is, is a definite Yeah. in terms of how we expand um, I'm not really too sure yeah yeah. And I, I suppose as well with, with um, the market expanding over here in terms of the NFL game you might get a bit more investment a bit more money and then obviously that will drive everything up as well hopefully um, is, I suppose would be best case scenario yeah 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 um, sorry I'm just the yeah, so, so the cats just ran into my room. No, I was just saying that the hopefully with the NFL uh, getting bigger over here and uh, getting more exposure over here, obviously, hopefully that'll drive up investment and, and okay. hopefully we'll see that at the grassroots level, hopefully getting the levels up of, of, of all those teams in those leagues. Absolutely. Uh, being someone who was involved in American football before Wembley games took place, yeah. before all the Tottenham um, you know, contract was signed, yeah. seeing where the game has gone from then yeah to now post kind of nfl game at wembley um it, it has massively increased the market is huge and yeah. you know you could walk around manchester or or any any city and you'd see someone wearing some kind of nfl gear yeah i'm, I'm absolutely certain of it yeah the market for the nfl has grown significantly in the uk yeah. and that obviously you, you couldn't possibly say that it hasn't had a positive impact on no. the uk game yeah no, it's just about. Yeah, go on, grassroots. No, go on. I was going to say, hopefully it will continue to go on an, on an upward curve as it as it currently is. Absolutely, grassroots football a couple of years ago took, took a hit. Um, kind of youth football didn't have kind of the the money and the time pumped into it that it that it needed. Yeah. And so it it, it took quite a big hit. Um, but over the past few years, kind of. Baffa and, and other organisations have really kind of stepped up and said, look, we need to do something here. Uh, we need to put more money into this grassroots football. And you have a couple of organisations, well, I say a couple, that's probably unfair. You have some organisations throughout the UK, some clubs, um, teams, that have really said, our adult football is less important than our junior football. Mm. And I would look at, for that, I would look at the East Kilbride Pirates, I would look at the Manchester Titans, um, I would look at um, a couple of teams in Bristol. Um, so the Filton Academy, which is a very, very interesting academy. Um, they play American teams rather than UK teams. Yeah. 
um, and they've had lots of their players go over and sign for high school college, uh, high schools and colleges and things like that. Um, so that, as with a lot of voluntary organisations, there are a lot of kind of individual pieces in those organisations that are really pushing this. And if you get the right piece, then it's it's gonna it's gonna take off. Yeah. So for example, at the Titans, we have a very good committee who are constantly aspiring to new things, constantly looking for how are we going to reach out to the youth of, of Manchester? How are we going to provide them with American football and a quality service? And, and not just the opportunity to be a good American football player, but it's genuinely, and I, and I can speak from experience being a 12-year-old who started American football, providing them with like structure yeah. and discipline to their life. And, and you know, some... Some children in Manchester and places like London really, really need that. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keeping them, keeping them out, so, keeping them off the yeah. streets, keeping them out of trouble. And uh, like I say, it's a bit, it's a big thing that they do in America. Obviously, they get all the kids to like play sixty or something, isn't it? That they, uh, is the, yeah, they're all the big projects, um, which and, which help. And and the more people that are involved with clubs, the more individual pieces, as I'm calling them, that do that the greater the grassroots program will be. Yeah. And the greater the grassroots program, usually you can point to then say, this senior team is going to have success now. Yeah. Because of the work that they've put in, mm. in the grassroots. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, that's what I'll show you. This uh, whilst we've got a couple more minutes, my uh, battery's running a tiny bit low. But let's let's talk about um, a bit about NFL then. So obviously you're an, an avid NFL fan. Obviously you're a Patriots fan. Is that right? I am. Fortunately, yeah. uh, 2001 was my first year watching American football when I decided to support the New England Patriots. That was the Tuck Rule game. Oh, okay, yeah. And that was the first game I watched, the Tuck Rule game. Uh, not I bad. I didn't really know what was happening, <laughs> but I decided they had the word England in the, the uh In the name, game. yeah. And um, I liked their kit, so I picked them. Yeah. And... Uh, I would say for about two years, I didn't really care that much about whether the Patriots did well or not. Yeah. And then after that, it was, I would say, pretty much uh, my life force. <laughs> um, they are the blood that flows through my veins. Cool. And um, did, what, what about how, how long do you reckon uh, the current dynasty has, has left before they, they walk, kind of walk out the door? A couple of years? Oh, God. I don't want to put a number on it. <laughs> don't, um, don't want to have a countdown on that? I think I think everyone but Patriots fans have a countdown on their on their phone. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's very possible. Uh, conspiracy theorists, listen up. Um, that um, Josh McDaniels will take over as Bill Belichick in next year or two as the head coach, and that is possibly the conversation that went on. Yeah. When Josh had apparently um, become the Colts head coach. Yeah. Um, I, to- I totally, I totally buy into that. Totally buy into that. Josh McDaniel, if if the Patriots screw him over and Josh McDaniels doesn't take the takeover from Bill Belichick, he's going to be in no man's land because no no team's going to want to hire him after what what happened there. I'm just glad that Josh did it for the Colts. That's what you're <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, do you have? I, I'm I'm confident that Josh will take over from Bill in the next year or two. Yeah. And... I think Tom's maybe got two years left in him. I think he'll have another good year this year, and then maybe you see some drop-off from him, and then he thinks, okay. But he's absolutely gunning for that last Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, I'm very much a Picasso. So is there anyone um is there anyone you kind of model like your when yeah you obviously you've just transitioned to kind of QB for the last year and a half. Is there anyone you can't do you, do you model a game on him at all or do you try and do things that he does? Um, I re- I do not pay attention no. to quarterback mechanics in okay. the NFL at yeah. all. Um, I. I very much liked watching videos when I was a safety linebacker or a receiver of um, technique of NFL players. So um, the reason I actually wear number 21 is because of Sean Taylor. Okay. Um, he was, he was, I would say, my very first kind of uh, huge idol in the NFL. And um, Sort of when I went into the senior squad, I initially wore 52 very early on before I knew much about football, and that was Ray Lewis. Yeah. Um, and then kind of when I moved to that stage and moved up to the to the um, 11 aside youth squad, I was like, "Is 21 available?" Because Sean Taylor's my boy. Um, <laughs> fortunately, it was available, and then it just I just stuck with it. Okay, and, um, so Sean Taylor um, and. Uh, and uh, Dion Sanders, I idolised quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and then when I moved over to receiver, um, even though I absolutely do not have anywhere near the same kind of receiver ability, <laughs> well, not say ability, but let's say um, I'm nowhere near as tall as or quick as. That's not how I play my game. The measurables. Like Randy Moss. Yeah. Randy Moss. Yeah, measurables. Um, really idolised Randy Moss. And then when guys like Wes Welker and Julian Edelman came along, really enjoyed watching them. Um, and tried to model my game after them, but I'm not a small chap. Yeah. So um, watching tight ends generally gave me more um, of a similarity okay. score, let's say. Mm. Okay, cool. So uh, we'll we, uh, we get you out, the, uh, out here on this, uh, Sam. Apparently you're the, you were the mathematician of the week in 1998. Do you want to explain what that's all about? <laughs> <laughs> I've had quite a lot of people asking me to ask you math, 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 uh, mathematical questions, and if I'd have seen them uh, early enough, I would have, I would have got some and posed some to you. But luckily for you, I, I haven't got any. Okay, um, I I very much uh, struggle with maths to the point where um, people have said to me, "Oh, have you had this calculator test before?" Um, it's not something I'm really keen to do. I yeah. don't need to know whether I have this calculator or not. Yeah. Um, which I believe is kind of very similar to dyslexia, only with numbers. Yeah. Um, but I very, very much struggle with maths, whether it be mental arithmetic or, or, or you know, general questions. So if you were to put sort of five or six coins in my hand, yeah, that would take me quite a while to add those up. So there's just a running joke with me and my friends that <laughs> um, I'm bad at maths and they will ask me maths questions and there will be consequences if I get them wrong. And these aren't very complex maths questions. These are very simple <laughs> things to them. Um, and once when I was in primary school, uh, I got a Mathematician of the Week award. One of my friends saw this one time, thought it was very, very funny, uh, very ironic. Um, and so it just stuck. And so now whenever anybody mentions maths or my maths ability, I'll just gently remind them that I was once mathematician of the week. Very good. I love it. Love those kind of stories. Yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah, I saw it and I was like, oh. And then everyone was telling me how to, to do maths question. I, was, I wasn't quite sure how to take it. So I'm, I'm glad we've, uh, we've, we've established, established yeah, that. It's, so. uh, it's, it's a stab at me, basically. Yeah. But just, just tell them that you're a quarterback for the Manchester Titans and you, you go and kill teams. And um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take that every day, yeah. every day of the week, to be honest. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I can I can count how many players are in the box. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Um, and that's all I need to do, really. Other than that, I just side on the ball. <laughs> Cool. Okay, uh, Sam. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate you um, adding some adding some meat to them bones for the for the Britball game for me. I find it, find it really useful. Um, hopefully, maybe get you on at some point, maybe next year or uh, when you know when the game gets a bit more evolved or if you've moved on and that, and just to just kind of have a recapping and a bit of a catch up. How, how, how does that sound? Absolutely, sounds great. Lovely stuff, uh, Sam. Thank you so much for coming on. And um, that was Sam Bloomfield. There, he was the quarterback for the Manchester Titans, who I had the pleasure of watching him do the bizzo uh, on Sunday against the East Kilbride Pirates, uh, winning forty-one to zero. So there you have it. That was Sam Bloomfield. There, the Manchester Titans quarterback. Really enjoyed that chat to him. It was really insightful and certainly filled a lot of holes and questions. That I had when I when I went to watch the game last week uh, against the East Kilby Pirates, and I very much recommend if you don't already, or you've never been before, go go along, support your local team. There, there there's going to be one kind of near you, and like I say, it, it will put money back into the grassroots game, so you'll be supporting the quality that that will will come out uh, in in years to come. Yeah, they have everything from youth teams, under-19 teams, women's teams as well. So plenty, plenty, plenty of opportunities to catch some American football while the off-season is in its low, uh, like we are at the moment. And like I said at the top of the show, if you are an avid fantasy fan, head over to the Fantasy Footballers, check out the Ultimate Draft Kit. It gives you so much data, everything from where players lined up, you know, the contested catch success rate percentage, all that kind of stuff that all the you nerds and people like to have to reel off to your friends to make you seem a lot more intelligent that will do it for this week uh tune in next week for the bearded twits and luke campbell and uh, we're going to be talking giants we're going to be talking dolphins bears and we're also going to be bringing in a segment that looks at teams that are trending down or up compared to last season going into the 2018 season so i hope you can join us for that if you want to get us on social media at full 10 yards is the twitter handle and don't forget when we get to 500 followers we will be giving away an NFL jersey. So if you are following us, thank you very much for your support. Very much appreciate it. And if you know anyone that would enjoy the show or you know, want, another, want to have a, a ticket of that raffle to, to win an NFL jersey, tell, tell your friends to join us on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to head over to the website. There's a couple of articles there, including the one uh, about my Britball experience, full10yards.com forward slash, forward slash blog for that. But that will do it for this week. Very much appreciate you joining us. Hope to hear, uh, hope to see you again soon on the show. But in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye bye for now. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Full Ten Yards podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full Ten Yards, or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.